Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And good morning. Our lines are open. 1850-333-103. Bernie and Sadie taking your calls this morning. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can email across the show, jp at c103.ie or indeed tweet at c103cork. Ahead on the show this morning, we were discussing this yesterday and we knew at this stage that the so-called wet pubs, they're the bars that don't serve food, that they were not going to reopen as planned at the end of this month. Uh, No official data when they will, but the uh, reasoning yesterday was they wanted the schools to go back and schools uh, to remain as was and, uh, and, and to make sure schools are doing and performing okay for the first number of weeks. They will see what happens, I presume, after two or three weeks and then maybe go back and look at reopening those particular bars. Uh, but no timeline, as as I can recall anyhow, given as yet from that particular press conference yesterday afternoon. But we do know now those wet bars are not opening. It is, though, causing a lot of fear amongst those who run bars because uh, they feel now at this stage, after being closed for over five months, will they ever reopen? And we have a number of comments in already from people asking how come then bars that were closed decided to open they now get their food from a takeaway they charge nine euros they're working within the restrictions they can show they can do it and they're open but the bar that does not serve food remains closed surely the bars that are serving food have proven that they can operate within the restrictions We're discussing that shortly uh, with the vintners here in Cork Michael O'Donovan from Cork Vintners will join us on the programme also yesterday, uh, we heard from Tina, who was fined because she went over her parking limit of 15 minutes at a parking location in Douglas. Now, we got a lot of calls since we spoke and, and read Tina's uh, email yesterday afternoon on the show. Uh, people angry uh, with the matters that come to parking. Well, we had more calls from all over the county, not only in Douglas, but from uh, areas in Mallow as well, which always has a problem when it comes to parking. We'll hear more from people who were caught like Tina when they went only a few minutes, some people did, and Tina went 15 minutes over her parking limit and got a fine. Her point was that she is trying to support local business in Douglas. She maybe expected some leniency uh, from those as it was only 15 minutes. Maybe if it was an hour, she might have had a different view. But the fact that it was only 15 minutes, uh, she felt it wasn't fair, considering some car parks in the city centre are becoming very lenient so that then you will have a situation whereby they are going along into the city centre, people-wise, that is, to support local business. Uh, Tina now feels 
because uh, she won't be going back into Douglas because she f- has nowhere to park. I mean, a lot of the parking has gone in Douglas since that shopping centre went on fire. Uh, so that was her view. Other calls on that. We'll get, uh, we'll hear from those callers later in the show. Also, we'll be staying with the situation when it comes to Ireland and the EU because we now know, of course, uh, from uh, over the last few days, uh, the discussion on Phil Hogan. Uh, we've done a lot about that over the last week in the show. People now feel that it's time to move on and see who will be now representing Ireland at the commission level in the EU. Who will Ireland send over? And there's still a lot of talk, though, uh, about Phil Hogan. I mean, farming groups were disappointed that he did leave because they feel we do need an Irish voice at the table, while others are saying, well, at least now we have held someone in this country to account, considering what has happened over the years here in Ireland. I'll get back to comments on Phil Hogan shortly. Also on the programme, we're going to hear about fundraising efforts for a Canturk family following a devastating house fire at their home a number of weeks ago. Also, how weddings now, hotels have come under further scrutiny following Golfgate in Galway, how weddings will now have to finish at 11.30pm and the impact this will have on venues and indeed on those couples getting married. We'll speak with weddingsonline.ie and we're going to catch up with Joe McCarthy and Sean Gordon. They are the lads from West Cork who are doing the loop and cycling across Ireland at the moment, currently in Belfast and making their way back down the East Coast. We'll catch up with them later in the show. You remember last week we surprised them speaking to their mammies so we'll see how they get on over the last week. They were in Donegal when we spoke to them last week they made their way over the course of the last seven days across Northern Ireland and making their way down the East Coast now we're also going to hear from Knock Negree singer Ellie O'Keefe who was a contestant in this year's The Voice UK on ITV and also shown here on Virgin and she now has released her own single on the back of appearing on The Voice and we'll chat with Ellie from Knock Negree uh, later in the programme so that and more to come and your views are welcome 1850 you can text or WhatsApp uh, straight into the studio 0862103103 or indeed you can email jp at c103.ie but a lot of talk this morning still on Phil Hogan and still on uh, what is going to happen now with the EU Commission and indeed with Ireland and representation at the EU Commission and will Phil Hogan as many people were saying get a large payoff well this morning, the paper that broke that particular story of Golfgate, the Irish Examiner, they write that a former European Trade Commissioner, Phil Hogan, will be entitled to be paid €441,000 before tax over the next two years by the European Commission. And it seems Simon Coveney's nomination is going to move closer to replace him. We'll have to wait and see because, as I said yesterday, that day, and if Simon Coveney was to go, it would spark a by-election in Cork South Central and do the government parties want that at the moment. Uh, the obvious choice to run in that for Fine Gael would be uh, Senator Jerry Boschimer, but obviously he was tied up as well in Golfgate. So you would imagine that, would he run? Would he not run? If he was to run, uh, how would that work out for him, considering this is very fresh in the news? Uh, so your views are welcome on that, but your views are welcome on what a big payout, because people were saying yesterday to us on the phones and texts that Phil will just go off and get a big payout. He won't be, uh, you know, on the streets like many people can't afford a home or struggling to pay bills, and that is the payout, seemingly. He'll be entitled to be paid over €441,000 before tax over the next two years. But a number 
number of calls, texts and emails have come into us all asking the same question about Phil Hogan on the phone. Why was he not given penalty points and fined because he was caught on the phone in County Kildare? And was that asked of him in that interview with Tony Connolly in RTE? And I saw that online as well last night, people asking that question. Well, it was. Obviously, they could. the interview was done, I think, near news time, so it had to be edited quickly and they couldn't run the full uh, 25 minutes of that on the particular uh, 6-1 or 9 news on RTE. But he did ask that question to Phil Hogan. And for those many who were on to us to say, what did Phil actually say? Because there's various quotes going around on papers and indeed online on Twitter and, and different social media sites. This is what Phil Hogan said when RTE's Tony Connolly asked him that about being caught on the phone in County Kildare. Uh, here's his response. Oh, the fact that I was stopped. Uh, by, uh, in, in part of a, by a, a member of the Irish police in relation to putting a phone uh, in answering a call to my ear uh, is, is certainly like if, if they knew I was a European commissioner or a politician they wouldn't be stopping me the police were doing their, their job and doing it well and it was reported back in the system and it was arising from this that I got a call from the Taoiseach and the Tarnish to explain uh, all, all about this on Saturday last which I did so he did say that if the Gardaí knew he was a European commissioner or a politician that they would not have stopped him. And that proves that for many uh, saying is there a law for some in this country and a different law for others. I think that line there, what he said, uh, proves that. Uh, more comments in on that particular situation. Anthony saying Phil Hogan won't get sympathy for many in Ireland for his bully boy tactics, but he was in the Kenny's henchmen who had introduced these charges, the water charges I presume you mean, Anthony, and Alan Kenny then took over that job and also wasn't too public friendly at the time. We all remember countless guards at every particular protest says Anthony while Mike saying on replacing him Eamon O'Queeve would be a sound man for the EU job or Minister Martin from the Green Party comes across very well she seems to be a no-nonsense person why should we only look at Fine Gael candidates says Mike on text to 0862103103 and we'll speak with the Vintners very shortly before that though something completely different if you can help Anne out with this one this is nothing to do with politics or phones or anything Anne wants to know this is to do with potatoes Anne wants to know when is it or why is it when she peels rooster potatoes and puts them in a bowl to mash them if she doesn't mash them straight away they turn black on the outside and have others noticed that over the last number of months or even forever that with rooster potatoes if you put them in a bowl and you don't mash them straight away they turn black on the outside have others noticed that? Asks Anne. Can we help Anne on that? Uh, text or WhatsApp 86 Good morning to you. A lot of comments in this morning regarding the pubs and why wet pubs can't now reopen. Uh, we heard yesterday that at this at that stage yesterday morning while we were on air, we had a fair indication that the bars were not going to open, those bars that don't serve food. And we were discussing that yesterday morning with Deputy McBarry, who was at the Doyle COVID committee meeting where that was being discussed. And they really want the schools back in operation fully for a number of weeks before they consider uh, the bars that don't serve food to reopening and that's the, the indication we got anyhow from that particular Dole meeting on that Ellen saying it's disgraceful people trying to keep their businesses going soon we won't have nothing or anything to go out for no social life the government took all our rights away from us and now won't give anything back David says country pubs could control crowds it's Temple Bar and city locations who could not manage so if the capital can't control it then everyone else suffers. Mary says, open them up. If not, rural Ireland is dead and buried. Publicans stand together and open. Forget about what 
they all say I hope to God the breweries will stand beside you enough is enough at this stage says Mary while Kevin says it's unfair having a bar that serves takeaway food open and then the one that doesn't is closed it makes no sense says Kevin well Michael O'Donovan of the Cork Vintners joins me on this good morning to you Michael good morning JP on that point Kevin made there I mean the bars that do serve food have proven that they can operate within the guidelines and regulations so at this stage you'd wonder why those bars especially in rural areas who would have low numbers going into their particular bar could not do the same Yes, JP, look, from the very start, we've been saying this, that we felt all pubs should have been given the chance to open um, at the same time. And look, it, it, it's been seen that there's been, OK, two or three instances where people have come in um, that have had the COVID-19, but there's been uh, the pubs that that has happened to have followed procedures and they've closed down, uh, deep cleaned, uh, got the people tested and been back up and uh, open again thank god there hasn't been any clusters or any anything come out of them so like it's shown that the guidelines do work and like um pubs are one of the highly most you know regulated industries in the country uh we can follow the guidelines and look we've seen neffet's letter to the cabinet from three weeks ago uh, outlining guidelines that they want to see implemented in say the wet pub environment those that are still closed so like we're we've been asking constantly to please give us the opportunity to implement those guidelines and we can open and follow the guidelines and as you've said especially for rural communities where people would be of first name basis with all of their customers um we, we feel it's very unjust that we're being i suppose the last industry uh, to open and now again after yesterday's announcement um we're not opening next monday it seems uh, the chief the acting chief medical officer announced last night but i think of more concern is he said um, it, it, it could be several weeks before uh, pubs get the opportunity to open. So that's open-ended. Um, it's a real concern um, because there's pos- the possibility today that this three-week uh, rolling closure order that they've nearly had, um, it could turn into a several-week uh, requirement, which, which look, is a, is, is a major concern today. And if he's looking at that seven weeks, uh, that would bring you nearly into October at this stage, wouldn't it? Uh, if, if well into October. Is there a fear, and I know you've said this before to us, that the future of these wet bars now, and we've heard from those bar owners themselves, that they are saying if it's going to go on longer than October, they just simply will never be reopening their doors. It, it look, uh, JP, today, I suppose, is one of, it, we've said it before, it's deja vu, but today is really a critical day for the Cabinet's decisions. The Taunish estate um, prior to us not opening on the 10th of August, uh, when we were put back to uh, the 31st of August next Monday, that if on the 31st of August they weren't in a position to open the pubs, that uh, supports would be needed and he would be bringing proposals to Cabinet. Well, today we need to see these supports and they need to be meaningful. Um, As you've said, lots of publicans for the last five and a half months They've still been paying their utility bills. They're paying their commercial insurance on their premises. A lot of them also have uh, 24-hour security systems, monitored security um, on their premises. All these bills have been paid from personal savings. Um, A lot get the COVID payment. Most get the COVID payment, in fact. But that's for your own personal house. I can guarantee you, um, I've kids myself that have gone back to school yesterday, more starting next week. You try and kit them out on the €350 a week it's difficult and, and it's difficult to keep your own home going, not mind to say trying to 
keep your commercial premises going. So we need meaningful supports today and we hope the Tawnishta and his, colli- his colleagues in Cabinet bring these meaning- meaningful supports because otherwise um, lots of pubs, I think, just won't survive the winter months because savings will run out to pay these bills and it will become very difficult then for these pubs to survive. And I suppose the big one for a lot of us is um, the bank's moratorium is going to end as well in the coming weeks. So bank managers will be contacting publicans around the, the, the county and around the country, and they'll be looking for how loans are going to be restructured, how they're going to be repaid, and it doesn't take a mathematician to know that um, if, uh, if a pub isn't open and no income, it's really difficult to repay payments uh, with nothing coming in the door to support that. And I'm sure you've heard this as well from publicans who say even if rates have been abandoned for them by some of the operators, for example, some of the councils have let them, uh, allowing them not to pay the rates at the moment because they're closed. But outside of that, many are saying to us that they still must maintain the building. The building can get damp, there's no one using it and they still have to make sure that the building you know, is, is being maintained, that it won't get damp, that everything is, is remaining secure in the building. So those costs remain outside of the family costs you mentioned there still is a cost on running the actual building even if you were not paying any rates or the bar is closed it still must be maintained absolutely look i suppose previous junior minister john paul Phelan made a commitment um that for where uh, there's a mandated closure from government rates will be set aside so yes councils have set aside the rates while we're closed but yes look the costs are even going to increase now from next month september as you said uh, heating will have to be turned on to make sure premises won't become damp. So that's a rising cost. Uh, as I've said, utility bills, uh, security, insurance, they've continuously been paid since last March. So uh, the costs will, will increase as, as more is required in the winter wintertime. Um, so as I've said, we need the meaningful support today. Just making a piecemeal offering won't be sufficient today from Cabinet. Uh, we need meaningful support. Otherwise, as I've said, I fear for a lot of pubs come the winter months, it just won't be viable and people might make a, a decision to walk away from our sector, which would be very disappointing. And it would be also, I suppose, for communities, it would be uh, really difficult for communities because the pub is the heart of most communities around rural Ireland. And like it would be, I suppose, detrimental to them if pubs start disappearing off the landscape. And finally, Gardaí now are going to be given new powers to shut pubs, also to enter homes for house parties, but they could be given new powers to shut pubs if they do and are breaching COVID-19 regulations. We haven't seen that happening in Cork, but do you welcome those moves or would that concern pub owners? Look, I, uh, JP, we've been on record from Vintners Federation viewpoint from the very beginning when pubs opened on June 20th. The guidelines are there to be followed. Um, any pub that's following the guidelines has absolutely nothing to worry about about the new uh, powers the Gardaí will receive next Wednesday um, once the Doyle resumes and legislation is passed. Um, it's, it's, look, the pubs, I suppose, that maybe are skirting the guidelines they would have to look at their pr- procedures, I would say, before next Wednesday. But um, yes, I suppose primarily it's aimed at the house parties and the shebeens that we know are operating uh, all over the county and city and the country, really, that the Gardaí will get these extra powers to go into uh, these premises. But um, look, are, do we welcome them? Absolutely, because anybody that is floating the law, I suppose, at the moment, um, they're not doing our industry any service. So look, we, we, we really hope that publicans follow the guidelines. And as I said, any publican that is following the guidelines will have no issue with the Gardaí.
Well, for the moment, we'll see what the Cabinet do come up with today for the pub industry. For the moment, Michael, I'm sure we'll be chatting again over the next few weeks. We'll leave it there for this morning. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jesse. Uh, that's Michael O'Donovan there of the Cork Vintners, of course. Also, uh, they own the bar of the Castle Inn on, uh, in the city centre on South Main Street. So they, they know the, only too well what exactly is happening within the industry. Your views are welcome. 1850 Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. On the way, what is going to happen? with the Commissioner, the Trade Commissioner and who will Ireland send to the EU? We'll be discussing that with Irish South MEP Sean Kelly now. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. As people speculate over who may be the next person we send to Europe to replace Phil Hogan as uh, Commissioner Fina Gael, MEP Ireland South uh, for Sean Kelly joins me on this to see uh, who their likely replacements could be uh, for this for Ireland and would indeed Ireland be representing in the Trade Commission because there's talks also of a reshuffle. Sean joins me. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning. Thank you, Richard. And thanks for joining us this morning. I know yesterday you were out saying that you felt that Phil Hogan had no choice but to go. Uh, but now that he is gone, how will Ireland react? And there's no guarantee that if someone from this country does go to uh, the European Commission, like Phil Hogan did, uh, first of all, that they could be in the same role. But also there's a long process that is shown. Yes, uh, there's no about it. Uh, Phil Hogan was excellent commissioner. I know there were issues here in Ireland in relation to local councils, leader, water, etc. But once he went to Europe, he seemed to grow in stature. And because of the good job he did in agriculture, he was given the hugely influential portfolio of trade. And now we find ourselves, we have to nominate a commissioner again. And uh, there are big shoes to fill in terms of the European perspective. And you're right, there is absolutely no guarantee that we're going to get that portfolio an awful lot will depend, I think, on two things. Number one, the calibre of person we send. And two, uh, what the attitude of the Commission President Ursula von der Leyen is. If she feels she wants to let things be, then it will suit us. But if she feels that this might be an opportunity to move somebody else in there and then put the Irish Commissioner in a less high-profile position, less influential position, she can do that. So an awful lot of tuning and flowing will have to take place at the highest levels of government and commission to first of all ascertain what's the likely outcome in terms of whoever we send forward as commissioner and secondly then uh, to see what the process is going to be. And that process is demanding enough because the interesting thing is up until Ursula van der Leyen became Commission President, as I understand it, countries just nominated one person. She said she wanted to have a balanced commission, gender balance, so she asked each country to nominate a male and a female. Now, we didn't actually do that last time because Phil was being renewed, so we just nominated Phil. But she now was asked to nominate a male and a female, we aren't in a strong position to resist it if we wanted to. So ultimately, she's going to decide which is a change in many respects, and maybe not entirely what we would like, but we have no choice now because our hand is weakened. We must try and get the best portfolio, and then whoever she decides, in conjunction with the government, has to go before 
the Parliamentary Committee to be scrutinised in what we call a hearing. And that's pretty forensic now, because at that level, the MEPs are highly qualified. They will know the detail of the brief that the person who is just going into it is. Some of them are there for 10 or 15 or maybe 20 years, have worked on the same issues all the time. So it's a tough enough uh, experience. So if we don't sit, put forward somebody of the highest caliber, then I think our chances of holding on to uh, either trade or a strong portfolio would be minimised. And you're there within the MEPs. You know what is going on in Europe. Do Europe feel let down, Sean, by what has happened over the last week with regards to Ireland? I wouldn't say let down, but uh, perhaps surprised. Because there are always issues in politics and you hear these going on. And most times when you're over in Europe, you don't take too much notice of what's happening, for instance, in Latvia or Lithuania or Greece. And it rarely comes to the top of the agenda. But unfortunately, in Phil's case, number one, because I suppose the esteem in which he was held, the role in which he was playing, the fact that he was there for a good number of years and was well known. And then, unfortunately for him, it dragged out all week long. So it was the item on the agenda every day, which is most unusual. So yes, that was uh, uh, surprising to them. But many of them would be coming from countries with different approaches. And as uh, one former MEP, the influential Elmer Brock from Germany, says uh, on Irish radio yesterday morning, they were a bit surprised, yes, that uh, he had to lose his job over this. But uh, that's looking at it from afar. We would probably look at it more intrinsically here. And unfortunately as well, the others who attended, like Sir Derek Leary and those, they lost very important positions and it was a big change for them. But they didn't actually lose their job as TDs or senators. But there was probably no, no other choice here. Either he could ask God free or he paid the ultimate price. And as he said himself, it was going to become a major distraction on and on and on. And it would, because I know that once this issue was, we'll say, over and done and he didn't retire, Every time he'd go before Parliament or a committee, there would be those who would basically have a go at him. And I suppose he didn't want that, the Commission didn't want that, and therefore he decided just trying to pack it in. You mentioned Derek Cleary there now, the former Agricultural Minister and also Sinisters, and they do, even though they're gone from that particular rule, they still have their jobs. Should they now also go? Do you feel because Phil Hogan has gone that the likes of Derek Cleary should resign as a TD as well? And similar for Senator Jerry Borshamer here in Cork? I know, I think uh, <laughs> that would be unbelievable if we started doing that now at this stage. I think the point is that uh, they all admitted they made a mistake. Now, I don't think they made a mistake uh, deliberately. It was inadvertently. They were invited. They probably thought everything was in order. It wasn't. And they were caught. So they paid the price. And whatever <coughs> price you pay, for instance, Derek Leary or Jerry, I mean, that is a big price to pay for. And, and, and yeah, I would think, expect an inadvertent mistake. Granted, it was in breach of the regulations. I've accepted that, put their hands up. And I think we should leave it at that and move on now for them and for everyone else. 
even though if someone did organise a party for anybody, you, you yourself out of common sense would realise at this time during a pandemic and given they're all in government, that you would just stay away regardless of rules. It would just look bad and be bad perception. So, so they really should have known better with that regard. Uh, probably, without a doubt. And uh, you would think also, though I suppose in fairness, that if somebody is organising a party, that they will do it within the strict rules and they probably just didn't think about it enough and obviously they said themselves they made a mistake and definitely people will be far more cautious now and that's a good thing because you have to have the same rules applying across the board and you can't have exceptions and definitely the organisers of this event uh, did obviously think that they'll probably get away with it and they didn't which is a good thing because you can't have that kind of a situation especially as so many people have pointed out so many people have suffered and are still suffering and will suffer uh, because of COVID-19 and there's a huge effort being made to try and uh, combat it and I think it's just, the message has to be very clear that there are no exceptions we just have to abide by the regulations in the overall interest of everybody and show respect to people by so doing and as you say that, we had similar calls outlining that yesterday, but this morning people are saying, and they said the same yesterday, that when Phil Hogan leaves, he won't be like so many people who lose their jobs and fearful of being uh, thrown out on the street or losing their home because he will get a payoff. And the Irish Examiner is saying that this morning that he will be entitled to be paid uh, over around €441,000 before tax over the next two years. Uh, should he receive those payments? I mean, is it wrong that following he's admitted he's done wrong and and disobeyed the regulation, even though he says himself he did not break any laws, but clearly he did disobey the regulations in this country regarding COVID and what set out from restrictions. Should he get paid that huge amount of money now, considering he is going to leave that particular role and that money funded overall by the taxpayers of Europe? Yes, I see the point you're making. I mean, definitely the figures are high, but they were decided a long time ago uh, by the combined minds of the European Union. They do look uh, very big. But the one thing they do in Europe is they go according to the law and the treaties. And if unless that's altered, that is the position. And uh, if people, and I can understand people would say the figures are high, but unless you alter the rules, then that's the position that's there. And uh, the European Union abides strictly by the regulations. If the regulation says he wasn't going to get a penny, then he wouldn't get a penny. But if the regulation says he's entitled to this, they're going to uh, abide by that as well. Huge amount of money though, Sean, isn't it? It is a lot of money in fairness, but I suppose for Phil, he'd much prefer if his reputation was intact and he had the job to continue what he was doing and uh, get the satisfaction of being a commissioner that delivered rather than, unfortunately, now having been, I think, the only second only the second commissioner uh, ever to resign. So all the money in the world probably wouldn't compensate for that. And regarding the impact now on Ireland, because we were speaking to various farming groups during the week and they felt that keeping an Irish person at that particular table with Brexit and the various trade negotiations and negotiating tariffs from the UK and Ireland, that it would be good to have an Irish person at the table because at least they'd understand the agri background here. Uh, is, the, is that correct in saying that? Because other callers into the show were saying, well, surely if an EU commissioner is sitting at a table, they're for the EU and they should have 
have the mindset for all countries and they should be thinking of all countries and not just their own. Uh, what would you say to that? I mean, have we shot ourselves in the foot as one texter is saying here uh, this morning? Well, you're right and your listeners are right. The commissioner has to act in the overall interests of Europe and they all have to do that. But at the same time, you act according to your ability and your knowledge. And uh, Phil Hogan's knowledge of the Irish situation would undoubtedly be an asset in the negotiations. And also I think that the British would be very happy that he's gone because they might be able to get away with things now that they wouldn't have otherwise because Phil would know their psyche and their history more than anyone else. So, yes, they have to be independent. They do that, but at the same time, uh, you'd want to be very foolish to think that maybe a commissioner uh, from Romania or Hungary or wherever would be a better asset to Ireland than an Irish commissioner, especially in dealing with issues in relation to Brexit. They're going to affect Ireland more than any other country. So that's the position. But at the same time, I think uh, we are looking that the chief negotiator, and uh, that's important, Michel Barnier has been well briefed uh, by Phil and the government and everyone else. He has a role for Ireland. He understands the position. And he will, I think, uh, be very helpful to us if things are being uh, done that mightn't be in our best interest. But certainly you would have been happier, obviously, if you had an Irish commissioner there as well. And on the issue then of who could replace him, there's a lot of names out there. We have Simon Coveney. Now that could be controversial in itself because it could open a by-election. Well, it will open a by-election if he was sent in Cork South Central. And, and maybe some would say government parties don't want that at the moment. Then uh, we have Murray McGuinness's name is in the mix. Francis Fitzgerald now as well this morning has come up. Uh, you were mentioned here yesterday on this show. Would you have any interest? Being truthful, uh do I have an ambition to be a commissioner at this stage? Not really, no. And uh, I think that uh, I'd leave it to others, and I think that others more qualified than me. And I think, uh, particularly now, uh, the person who stands out most for me, and I hope uh, I'm not putting my neck in the line, unfairly, would be Simon Coveney. He ticks all the boxes. He was a former MEP. He was involved in the whole Brexit uh, withdrawal agreement. He uh, is from a college current minister and minister of foreign affairs. So he has the whole range of experiences. But more importantly, he's been a very, very steady uh, hand on the Italian respects of Ireland. And he has grown in stature, I think, almost every day in the last number of years. And he's hugely respected. And the point you made about the by-election, now, if we're talking, on the one hand, about this being a vital role for Ireland and we need it, and then we say we can't have it because it's going to cause a by-election. I mean, which is more important, to win or lose a by-election or to get Brexit and other matters right at European level? So I think, uh, it depends on Simon himself, because it's a big upheaval for somebody to decide now, and especially so I'm there just to taking his young family to school, all that has to be taken into consideration, so nobody really can answer it more than Simon himself. And he'll have to look at it. It's probably tempting for him because he knows the European scene. But uh, I think definitely 
from my perspective, I have to say, ticking all the boxes, uh, Simon Coveney would be probably well ahead of everyone else in that respect. And very finally, Sean, a lot of questions have come up about the issue of MEPs and others who travel from Brussels to Ireland with regards to quarantine. Some say it's essential travel so they don't have to quarantine for 14 days. Are you in Brussels or are you remaining in Ireland? And what is the situation for an MEP who does go to Brussels and then comes back to Ireland again? Must you quarantine? Because there's a lot of confusion over this and people are saying different things over the last four or five days. There is confusion, and I'll tell you the facts. Uh, when I came back in March, I watched the situation, I stayed here. Then uh, the thing began to ease, so there were a lot of meetings and, and etc. I needed to have in Brussels. So I said I'd go to Brussels in July, I'd come home, and I'd go again the following week. But when I had booked that, the government changed its position, so I said I can't really come back and go out again the following week. So I stayed for the full two weeks. Then I got tested and I came home and I uh, restricted my movement and isolated essentially because I felt that was the right thing to do and I haven't gone out since. Now, I was actually supposed to go up this week, but two weeks ago, uh, when I saw the situation had been changing, I said I can't go out and come back again until I get uh, uh, the clearance. So there is confusion, but at the same time, I think uh, it, is, uh, it isn't clear-cut that the MEPs are exempt and maybe they shouldn't be exempt. And also, I think one of the problems here is that it varies from country to country. Uh, there is no blanket rule that says MEPs are exempt and they shouldn't be either, I think. And I think that's where the confusion has arisen. But uh, we'll just have to see because uh, everybody, as I said, has to observe the rules. We need, we need clear guidance. Sometimes it isn't easy to get clear guidance. No, that you need more. clarification so on. When you do come back from Brussels, do you quarantine for 14 days or not? That's basically, you need someone just to come out and say that. Yes, absolutely. And I and Billy Carroll and uh, Kieran Kauf, because we're in the government, we've actually written to the government asking them to give us direct, uh, clear guidelines of how we're going to do our job, what we have to do to comply with it, and I think that that's what's needed so that we can see what's happening and know the situation. Well, we'll so, wait and see what they come back with on that, Sean. And we'll, I'm sure a story we'll follow up on over the next number of weeks. For the moment, I've got to leave it there. But thanks for joining us this morning, Sean, on the programme. No problem. You're uh, that's uh, Sean Kelly, the Fine Gael MEP for Ireland South. Your viewers are welcome on what he's been discussing this morning. 1850-333-103. Bernie and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 86 Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. I will get back to comments relating to Phil Hogan and the EEU and the future for Ireland and the EU after C103 News at 11. But just a number of queries into us this morning. First of all, Mark is a new two-pot house and he says he was walking in Donrell Park last night but all the gates were locked at five past eight. Usually, he said, they leave the small gates open later for walkers but they had to walk up along the boundary wall to find low points to climb over the wall. Well, on that, Donrell Park, we've checked that out with them and they say they close at 8pm every night, uh, Monday right through to Sunday uh, and that's, that is during the summer months so they close at eight o'clock and that's why the gates were closed. That's what we got back and we checked with the OPW in relation to Donrell Park. Also, remember Anne was on to us asking when she peels roasted potatoes and puts them in a bowl to mash them, she says, if I don't mash them straight away, they turn black on the outside. 
Does this happen to others? Well, another aunt saying yes. Tell her this always happens. They get black. All right. You just really have to eat them straight away and don't be waiting around. So, Anne, that's your answer. Also, Joan is asking regarding a blood test she got yesterday morning. She says, I have a medical card, but I was still charged 10 euros. Is this right? Yes. Depending on your GP, Joan, you they can charge you money for that. And when we looked into this a number of weeks ago and indeed nearly a year ago at this stage is to do with the transportation of the bloods. The bloods are sent uh, to a location to be tested, then the results sent back to your doctor. But for that, uh, there is more or less an admin charge. So even though you have a medical card, uh, they still can charge you for that. The prices, though, vary. Some people could get charged five euros. Some people like yourself got charged 10 euros and higher. So the charges do vary. But it is right. You can be charged if you are getting a blood test and you have a medical card. They still can charge you uh, 10 euros less or more as well. Joan, thank you for your call on that. You keep your calls coming to Bernie and Sadie. 1850 Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Good morning to you. Our lines are open. 1850 You can text or WhatsApp 0862 tweet across the morning at C103 Cork. I will get back to comments coming in regarding our discussion with MEP for Ireland South Sean Kelly on the issue of who now should be going and replacing Phil Hogan in Europe and your calls and texts regarding that. Also a number of queries in regarding different matters and we'll get to those as well but I want to go to Canturk because an unfortunate house fire has left a Canturk family destroyed and a local community is rallying around there in Canturk to support them. Jared Graney is from Canturk's Men's Shed uh, who have set up a fundraiser to help this particular family and he joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Jared. Good morning, Patrick. Uh, and thanks for joining us. Uh, first of all, Jared, uh, the couple in question, Donal and Peggy Mannix, uh, are, are the couple in question whose house, unfortunately, uh, caught fire. And Donal is a member of your Men's Shed there in Canturk and they're both very well respected in the community. So I presume the news uh, came as a shock there to the area. It did. It did indeed. Um, I. It was Saturday, the first of August, that we, we we got wind of it that there was a fire in the town, and um, obviously, when you hear of a fire in the town, a house fire in the town, you, you know, you, you you're wondering if it's somebody you know. And I got wind of it shortly after that was Donald Mannix's house, and um, it was a shock because I know Donald and Peggy personally, and they are two lovely people. You know, they're 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 an elderly couple, really, in in, in the prime of their life, as we call it, and um, it was a shock. Um, you know, I, I was still, I, I'm, I'm shaking by it even when I talk about it now because I have, yeah. I have seen the inside of the house since, and it's, 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 it's really gutted upstairs. Is the it's entire not, house gutted or just parts of the um, house? Um, the house itself, structure-wise, is good, but all upstairs, three bedrooms, bathroom, um, landing, ceilings, everything is gutted. We had to gutter the the ministry came together, and a group, a group of neighbours and friends, we came together there the week after, and we gutted it all down. But and what exactly office. happened there, George? How, uh, how did the fire start? The immersion went on fire. That's that's what caused the problem. The immersion went on fire. Donald had said, uh, oh, he had noticed all right for a while that the water was very hot there for a week or so beforehand. But like, you, you, you know, you, you'd be thinking, what is it? But you, you'd be hoping it's nothing major. But it obviously took off Saturday night around six o'clock. Uh, Donald said he rented a neighbour's house and he got a, a fire extinguisher to, to, to quench it. And it quenched it, but it was so hot that it took off again. And he said once it took off the second time, there was no stopping it. And they couldn't get it under control? They, no, he couldn't. He couldn't get it. The, 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 the flames nearly overpowered him even. 
and they got out themselves were they okay? They did well both of them went to, were taken to hospital that night Peggy was released earlier in the night but Donald wasn't released until Sunday morning I think more or less he wanted to release himself he wanted to go home it was uh, myself and another member Michael that, 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 that went up to collect him Sunday morning and you know it was um, what well, we I put it was a very long journey home I can only imagine and when you yeah. say home where are they staying now are they staying well, with friends uh, or family the lad that I'm talking about there Michael that, that went up to collect him Michael Forlan um, his father and himself they both have a house in, in, a, in a state here in Dunanor in Kentuck and his father has moved in with Mike and his family for the, the couple of months and given the house to, to Donald and Piggy so they have a place to stay they're, they're very lucky there Isn't that very kind of that man yeah, to do it's, that? Yeah it's fantastic it's fantastic I mean shit like we're, we're a very small unit lads. there's only 10 or 12 of us there but we are very very close knit and that's coming uh, across this morning because of the help you've done already for that man. I mean, you, you now, uh, along with Michael, you've helped them, uh, you know, deal with the fire, take them from the hospital back home to Kenturk. Uh, and because the, especially the upstairs of the house seems to be destroyed, the entire house now will be, will, will have to be done up in, at some stage. Uh, the structure you said was okay. I mean, will the structure survive? Will the house have to be yes, knocked? Or? Structure-wise, the, 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 the building will set the frame of the building itself and the roof. There was a small bit of damage done to the roof, but it has since been repaired um, but all inside upstairs has to you just you have to basically start upstairs from scratch um, downstairs there is water damage to where it seeped down there was one or two ceilings stripped but downstairs can be saved a lot of it but upstairs is absolutely from start to finish you have to stop and roofing and all of that would that all need to be done the roof was saved the roof was saved there was a small damage a small bit of damage there was a hole in one place but it has since been repaired by a uh, a very good friend of ours and um, he's gone in and repaired that. So the roof and, and, and uh, the house structure itself is is okay. It's basically indoors is, is, is destroyed. And what about their belongings them, <coughs> and things they would have had over the years themselves? Are they all dis- destroyed? That was the hardest part really because when we dropped when, when we dropped Donnie home on that Sunday his wife Peggy was above and like look she was broken out that she lost a lot of Positions, as in for the cast and clothes, etc., 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 and it was hard to watch. So, like Peggy was above, and she was trying to save what she could, and it's a hard thing to say. But Peggy, like some of them are gone, but you can't say that her on the day. She's trying her best to save what she can. They lost a lot, but they saved a lot as well. You know, they they, they have lost a lot of positions. And have their family nearby them in that they, area? They have a daughter. I think I think is it Wexford or Waterford. It's back that side, but she was down on the Sunday and. Um, I'm not sure have the other families on that, um, but they have a daughter anyway. She 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 she's around the water for Wicks outside. I, I I'm sure. So at not. least there's someone there for them family wise yeah, as well yeah. in yeah, Ireland yeah. anyhow, uh, because you have this situation especially in rural areas where someone might have gone to Australia over the years and then they're away and they might find it hard to get home at the moment with everything going on. So at least someone is in the country for them. Uh, so f- f- from from this on, the house obviously enough needs to be refurbished and redone. You have set up a fundraiser. You have a GoFundMe page which we will share on our social media accounts later in the day. But you're also organising a street collection is it this weekend to see if you can raise enough funds uh, to redo and start repairing work on their house we are we're we are holding a bucket collection tomorrow tomorrow all day really tomorrow from 9 o'clock to 6 o'clock around the town of Kentuck and um, thankfully a lot of a lot of little businesses have given us permission to you know set up outside their, outside their stores and we're grateful to that like yeah, especially um, with the moment with social distancing, it would be a concern, but you'll be able to operate with all of that anyhow tomorrow. We, we are going to deal by rules and we are going to do the best we can to make sure everyone, you know, we don't want to come and harm anybody or we, we don't want to cause any trouble. So we, we are going to deal by rules and do things properly. 
And for the entire community, obviously tomorrow everybody will want to get involved with this and, and you'll be asking people if they are in Kentuck tomorrow and if they see you guys to contribute if they can for Donald and indeed also for Peggy. Uh, but it must be very upsetting for the community as a whole because as you said, there were stalwarts in the community. They're well known and for this to happen, uh, the whole community gathering together now to, to, to try and save them. Doesn't it show how beneficial it is to live in towns like Kentuck? I mean, we always hear about people moving to cities. Doesn't it show the community spirit uh, that is in towns like Kentuck? Well, what I say is, like, I consider myself a blow-in into Kentuck because I, I, I'm from a place called Ballyhay originally. And um, I'm living here in Kentuck over the last 17 years. And I've got to say, like, that I have seen other fundraisers set up here over the years for a, 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 another house fire and other issues. And the town and the local community are fantastic. They always come together. This is a fantastic town and a fantastic local area. They really are fantastic. Indeed it is. Well, uh, can we say, pass on our best wishes, uh, George, won't you, to Donal and Peggy. And best of luck tomorrow with that street collection. Anybody in the town of Kenturk tomorrow, when you see the guys, uh, I know social distancing and all of that, but do try and contribute if you can for Donal and Peggy. And, of course, it is online as well on the GoFundMe page, which we'll share later here on our social media, George. For the moment, uh, thanks for joining us and best of luck. And we'll, we'll touch base again later to see uh, if uh, how things are going with the house repair and do you need help with people getting involved in to repair the house or, or, or do you need donations by way of, of beds or anything like that later down the road basically this week we're just trying to organise the fundraiser yeah. and when we, when we get an account of where they are finances wise we'll say we, we, we'll start logging out and start, start looking for helpers and, and we'll see what they need and what they don't need but at the moment it's just basically get ahead with the fundraiser this weekend and see where we stand after that. All right, well, we'll st- stay we with us. We will be making touch with everybody and, and if we do need help, we will get it out. Do uh, st- stay in touch with us, Jared, because we will, hopefully, if there is a, a need for help, there's people out there always willing to help and if there's a need for new beds or, or new curtains or whatever it is, uh, hopefully we'll be able to help you out with that as well. So we'll stay in touch, Jared, and see how this goes. For the moment, best of luck with your fundraiser on the streets and indeed online. Uh, that's Jared Graney there joining us from Kenturk's Min Shed. This morning, fundraising for the couple from Kenturk, whose home unfortunately uh, caught fire a few weeks ago. A uh, house, especially the, the upper part of the house, destroyed. And that street collection taking place tomorrow in Kenturk Town. And we will share the GoFundMe page online later on our C103 Facebook and Twitter. But our regards to uh, Donald and Peggy, awful uh, when something like that happens to you. And just doesn't it show when we, and it's happened to us all about the immersion. I know I was renting a house once whereby you put on the immersion for three or four minutes minutes and it would be boiling and now looking back you're wondering God that was often some people would have gone out the door and you would have got a text and I'd be here on air so I wasn't going to be able to do much for them but someone would have left on the immersion uh, there was four of us renting a house a number of years ago and if the immersion was left on which it was on a number of occasions and it was baking hot the switch was really hot uh, you know, it could happen to anybody. So maybe check in your immersions because that's how that particular house fire started. An immersion whereby the water was extremely hot and then uh, well, look look what happens to that particular family. Anyhow, uh, best of luck to all involved with that and great support there from the Min Sheds and indeed from the community of Kenturk. Now, some queries into us across the morning. First of all, uh, this has got to do with Home Helps and Pat asking, could you please inquire if the Home Helps are being tested for COVID? My mother is 91 
one and I am worried uh, she has home health calling to her says Pat Pat we are checking with the HSE on that I'm not too sure if they'll give us a definite answer today or if we'll have to wait till Monday but we have checked with the HSE for you and that and we will let you know when they give us an official answer but if there's home helps tuned to us and listening and you are in the know you can let us know as well text or WhatsApp 86 103 or call Bernie or Sadie on 1850 103 and a texter here wants to know she knows of a worker who was come back from Spain over last weekend. Now, she's asking, should this particular person be isolating and just staying off work because she knows this person is has taken holidays from work for two weeks, but is still going in and out of shops in her area. Uh, well, on that, yes, yeah, Spain isn't on any green list. And if you're looking at the government information, which is clearly available for anything you're querying about this, you can go to gov.ie. Everything is on the website and you do have to uh, self-isolate for two weeks. That is part of it. If you're going to a, a country that isn't on the green list you must do that you must come home and restrict your movements and indeed you must isolate for two weeks so for that particular person querying I know you say you're worried but that person should be isolating for two weeks uh, because Spain isn't on the green list and and you can check out all of that on the government website if you want more information regarding that on Phil Hogan Michael in Castletown Bear says there are only two political candidates from the political field in Ireland that have any chance of retaining the Trade Commission portfolio in Brussels and they are Leo Vracker and indeed Simon Coveney and in that order any others are only featherweights our portfolio we had and threw it away without a fight however outside of politics David O'Sullivan uh, but I cannot see that as he has a job and surely and they won't be foolish enough to throw it away. Also, uh, when people are mentioning Mairead McGuinness, I think she is out as she blotted her copybook uh, during the voting within Brussels, so she might not be a favourite there, uh, says Michael in Castletown Bear. Uh, staying with that, uh, Texer here is saying, of course, that they all knew what they were doing going to that particular event in Galloway and should be fired. Hogan broke laws and wasn't fined for the phone as well. So that sets a new law. We can all uh, be cautioned, even though we have been people in the past Hogan can leave the money in the pot if his prestige is more important he has left a fine trail of dirt behind him and also aren't Great Britain now they're not the only ones to be happy he has gone uh, Simon Coveney is the better man for the job but Fine Gael messed up because with the greed and power and keeping Sinn Féin out they can't replace uh, Simon Coveney here in Cork South Central but he is the top man for the job and won't shame us with his arrogance and greed like Hogan says that particular text that Mary says on the points uh, when people were asking about Phil Hogan and what he did say with regards to being stopped and, and caught on the phone and in that interview he did mention the word Irish police Mary picking Phil Hogan up on that and says it shows he has no interest in Ireland when he called the Garda an Irish police force if he doesn't know by now they are called the Garda Shikona says Mary and uh, this particular person on text no name saying well done Ireland shot ourselves in the foot again getting rid of Phil Hogan when are we going to get up off our knees and stop knowing and towing to everyone such a self-righteous lot we are says that particular texter and one more here this is to do with Phil Hogan again and losing his job uh, this texter saying uh, losing their job all of them should come automatically if I did something wrong while working in a bar for example say serve the drink in a glass 
glass and I knew it was broken and caused the person to choke or serious injury, then I would be going. So Sean Kelly is saying, I can apologise and work away at my job. This is very serious. All our lives have been put at high risk because of Golfgate. Sean Kelly doesn't try and water it down. No panic to have golf or GAA. Our health is too precious, says that particular texter. And on agriculture in general, the general side of things from the EU to Ireland, this particular person says, if you were to write a script about agriculture, it would only be a short sentence of what really happened at home and in the EU. But I'm not surprised uh, the law uh, just didn't matter to any of them because... This person says for all of them involved in farming and in the agri departments in Ireland and the EU, it's all about the big dairy farmers, the bigger co-ops. It's all spin and they forget forestry was another favourite spin a number of years ago, says that particular texter on 0862103103. Just some of your calls and comments in in relation to that and who could and who will replace Phil Hogan when it comes to the European Commission. On the way, if you're planning a wedding or having or holding a wedding in the next number of weeks well you'll be uh, finishing up a lot earlier than the usual finish time for an Irish wedding all tying in with what we were talking about with Golfgate that has had a serious impact for hotels because hotels now are coming under more scrutiny we'll be discussing that next C103 Jobs and on our jobs When you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. But today we have opportunities which include for the Longboat Bar in Durris they require a chef and a cook and a kitchen assistant you can send your CV for the attention of Martin or email Martin it's martinosul1 at hotmail.com Caulfield's SuperValue at the Riverview Shopping Centre in Bandon have positions to join their online pickers team email bandonsman at caulfield.com find these jobs and more online now just go to c103.ie forward slash job 
Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. While you might think Golfgate in Galway was only affecting the politicians, well, you were wrong, as now all hotels are being closely monitored and it's impacting on weddings. Nicholas Bukovic from WeddingsOnline.ie joins me. Good morning to you, Nicholas. Good morning. Thanks for having me. And thank you for joining us again. And more twists and turns when it comes with weddings. While we were chatting with you in the middle of the summer about people cutting numbers, now we learn that these new restrictions at the wedding party reception, it will have to stop at 11.30. And you will know, Nicholas, these particular weddings, especially here in Ireland, uh, 11.30 is when they can only start happening and when people actually just (laughs) start going on the dance floor. So to think now at 11.30, it's ending, it's changing the whole perception of an Irish wedding. And a lot of people now who were getting married even this weekend are texting their guests saying you'll have to arrive earlier in the day as they change around their plan. Yes, that's exactly what's happening. A lot of couples are forced to kind of rethink their day because 11.30, as you mentioned, is, is very, very early. That's when the wedding's only, when the party only starts. Um, but the way around it for a good few couples is just to have the ceremony a bit earlier, start everything a bit earlier, um, you know, have the dinner earlier and then have a bit of time for the party. I mean, as the year goes on, as the next couple of months uh, come and, you know, it, it gets darker sooner, you you know, it mightn't be such an issue anymore. <laughs> but um, that's the way around it. To be honest, we've got a good bit of positive feedback from couples who have done this already in the last couple of weeks. Um, and to be honest, their feedback wasn't too bad. Like, I mean, you have a lot of couples, about three out of four have decided with those restrictions, we are going to move our wedding to next year, 2021. But about a quarter said, okay, look, we're going to change the numbers. We're going to have a smaller wedding. We want to go ahead. And they are trying to make the most of it. Um, and, uh, and I think that's a positive thing as well. Yeah, and I know couples who are having weddings and as you mentioned, they're, they're changing the way that they're doing it. They're splitting it so people that might not be able to go to the first day, uh, they are splitting numbers into the second date. So the the usual second day is becoming like another part of the main day, uh, whereas before it would have been just the day after the wedding kind of celebration. Yes, that's what's, uh, one thing that uh, the couples are doing because the restrictions are at the moment that you can have up to 50 people for a wedding celebration. Uh, indoors or, and outdoors. So in that sense, there are more people allowed at weddings than at other events, which is positive for, for couples. Uh, and uh, some are saying, okay, I have a, an event on, on one day, closest family, friends, uh, with uh, up to 50 people, including staff. That's something to keep in mind. But then uh, go for a day two celebration uh, on the next day and have other people for that. The thing is, second day celebrations have become very, very popular anyhow in the last couple of years. Because very often, you know, the second day, everybody's relaxed. Uh, the stress is over. Um, people chat about what happened the day before. And, you know, if you can have that with a core uh, group of people and then also get other people to come on the second day, you know, that's a possible way around. Like, you would have to talk to your venue, obviously, to see how this is possible, how, how this can happen, uh, you know, and, and, and comply with, uh, with regulations. But it's definitely a way around it, and it's something that couples do. And then on the main day itself, the guidance regarding face masks, it's seemingly now that when the guests are arriving into the actual mm-hmm. hotel, they must wear face masks arriving and indeed leaving the tables. That's it. That's it. Exactly. You have to, when you come to the, to the venue, you have to put on the mask and you can take it off once you sit down for the meal. And when you leave again, you, 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 you'll have to, have to put it back on. So that's another re- restriction that came in um, a couple of days ago with those new guidelines. I mean, they are changing all the time. Um, so that's obviously impacting uh, the, the, the day 
uh, and what's happened at the re- happening at the reception. I mean, everything is changing. Some things are changing big time, something smaller. Even the way dinner is being served is different now. You know, there's no uh, vegetables for everybody uh, on the on the table. Everybody gets one portion. Um, salt. You get little salt and pepper packs for everybody. Um, oh yeah, you, you can't share the actual bowl anymore before you no. get the big bowl of, of, of broccoli or whatever and it will go around exactly. the table. That's gone now. Well, that, that's gone, but you know what, that might suit some people who <laughs> who, who, who would have nothing left otherwise <laughs> because some people are very eager to get everything. Um, you know, you know, we, we laugh at these things, but you know, some of these things suit some people. You know, even with the dancing. You know, when dancing goes on to 2 o'clock at night with 200 people and uh, a lot of drink involved, some things might happen that don't make everybody happy, you know? And now we got people from a few couples that said, look, we had our band, we had a DJ, it started earlier, there were less people, but we had a great time. So, you know, in a way, you just have to work. I think couples decide, we work with what we have now. Um, if we're not happy with that, we move it to next year. But if we can work with it, we'll make a great day out of it. And you know what? People will always be delighted at the end of the day with their wedding. And is this putting more pressure now on hotels with these latest changes? Because I presume hotels have to change around their day. They have to make new staff arrangements. But also uh, for something as simple as the opening and closing of a door, would they actually have to have someone standing on the exactly. doorways into the reception area if they don't have an automatic door? Yeah, exactly. Like The, the guidelines are, are, are very strict. And uh, as you mentioned, like uh, somebody will have to work, uh, be at that door, if it's not an automated door, and most uh, venues would not have an automated door. Um, and, uh, you know, but you have to say, like, what venues and suppliers in Ireland are doing to help couples make their weddings happen is just absolutely phenomenal. Like, the standard of the hospitality industry has always been really, really high. I, like, I know they have uh, come here uh, 10 years ago, and it's just amazing, you know, what, what the standard here. But what, what venues and suppliers are doing now is, is brilliant. But it's very hard on them because, you know, you have these restrictions. They are changing a lot. Sometimes it's not 100% clear how this affects events and weddings, but they are really working hard to make this happen. And, uh, yeah, we, we can only say it's okay to them. Um, you know, they're really doing their best here. And there at WeddingsOnline.ie, are you hearing from people who are affected by this? I know we're hearing that this morning from people who are, uh, the biggest thing they have to do is liaise with the hotel and then text their guests. But are, are some people just thinking there's too much involved here? Are they going to even get the, the wedding they have, the party, have it smaller? Or even thinking of delaying the wedding again and just saying, you know, to hell with this, let's wait till 2022 and see what happens. Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, something that, that, that a lot of couples have decided to do. Uh, you know, there was this first big shock in March uh, with the initial lockdown, and then a lot of couples just moved their wedding out uh, a couple of weeks or months, hoping it could happen end of 2020. And then when the summer, you know, uh, came and, and we realized it is not going to just disappear, um, uh, people said, okay, I don't want to deal with these ups and downs and not knowing how things will develop, so I'd rather go on the safe side, uh, move it to next year, and can be pretty certain that I can go ahead with the wedding that, that I had originally planned. So that's what a lot of couples do. And to be honest, it might be the best thing because, uh, you know, if you're not sure, if you're constantly thinking, okay, how will my guest list evolve? You know, what if new restrictions come next week? Um, or, you know, restrictions will be lifted and that I would have planned for a smaller wedding that I would have had to. Um, a lot of couples say about two out of four this year that, okay, let's move it to next year um, and, you know, hopefully 
uh, we can go ahead with what we had planned initially. And Jim, on text here, now we know about the, the limit of 50 guests and that does include the hotel staff, uh, but he wants to know, can you have a band at your wedding still or is it just a DJ? And then if you have the band and the DJ, does that all include in the numbers of 50? Yeah, look, it has to be like, uh, the first question, yes, absolutely, you can have a band, you can have a DJ. A lot of couples have done it with, you know, their smaller weddings and they have had a fantastic time. So there's no... Uh, it's not at all uh, forbidden to have a band or DJ. Absolutely not. Yeah, so please go ahead and uh, include it. It will make the day even more special. Um, uh, but th- those, they would have to be included in the 50. The rule is that anybody there in that room, you know, will be included in that number. So staff, guests, family, friends, um, that, uh, that is something that they have to keep in mind. But, but, but it's not, uh, you know, forbidden um, or advised against having a band or DJ. The best thing for a couple would be to talk to their venue, see how that can happen. Obviously, talk to the supplier as well, the band and DJ. But technically, it's possible uh, and there are ways to make it happen. Okay, well, hopefully no more other major changes in the next number of weeks for those who are getting married in the next few months. I mean, stressful time as it is for those getting married without realising your wedding's on a Saturday and then there's new rules on a Wednesday. So it does change <laughs> things for them. But uh, I'm sure it's keeping you busy there, Nicholas. But for the moment, thanks for joining us. I have no doubt we'll be speaking again to you soon. But thanks for joining hey, us this yeah, morning. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Nicholas Bukovic there uh, of WeddingsOnline.ie on further and uh, new rules that have been made this week in relation to weddings. But yes, they are finishing earlier if you're going to a wedding soon 11.30 will be the time you'll be finishing up uh, on the way we will be speaking to Ellie O'Keefe remember Ellie earlier on this year from Knocknagree was a contestant in The Voice UK it was shown on Virgin Media here but it's an ITV show and now she has released her own single we'll be speaking to her after midday also after midday We'll be hearing from those who were caught with parking fines and feel it's unfair. We'll speak to those callers as well later in the show. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And it's time for our weekly catch up with two Cork lads who are cycling around Ireland's coastline doing the loop. The guys are raising funds for both Peter House and indeed the West Cork Rapid Response. Joe McCarthy and Sean Gordon are cycling around the coastline and when we last spoke to them they were in Donegal we'll say good morning to you guys Hey JP how are things? Uh, I'm fine how are you whereabouts are you this morning I know the last I checked in online with you you were in Belfast Yeah um, we're just 10 kilometres north of uh, Dundalk now we got the ferry over from um, Greencastle this morning to Carlingford and uh, we're just outside Dundalk now at the moment very good so let's go back to your journey from last week uh, first uh, and we spoke with you when you were in Donegal we spoke with your mammies who joined us I mean the important question this morning really is uh, Sean did you ring your mother's most nights because last week she was saying Joe was ringing his mammy um, most nights but you weren't <laughs> after that bit of a roasting I had to <laughs> have checked in much more regularly now <laughs> So she's happy you're, you're ringing. Three times a day. <laughs> <laughs> you're making up for it. So, so tell us, so after, the, after ringing back from the mammies, you were in Donegal, you made your way then and headed to Derry. Uh, how did you find that journey from Donegal to Derry and going across Northern Ireland? Beautiful location, isn't it? Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, really, really nice. Last time we spoke, we were just making our way towards Killy Beg. Um, Killy Beg, we crossed northward and it's just the scenery. Stunning. A lot of hills. A lot of hills. A lot of rain, but no, it's really, really nice. And then um, after Derry, went along the coast up to the Giant's Causeway, and that was absolutely stunning. 
Yeah, Joint's Causeway is amazing. And then from there, I saw pictures on your GoFundMe page. You actually held up the bikes and everything on the Causeway. <laughs> yeah, uh, we arrived at the Joint's Causeway and we were thought to be a few people there, but we were we had mechanical issues that day and uh, we were so late arriving, there wasn't another stole there. And um, we took off all the bags anyway and um, realised that my pannier rack was after breaking, that there was a bolt gone off it. Um, so we were doing a bit of me- mechanicing under the giant saws. But luckily enough, one of um, Sean had taken a spare bolt from uh, Andrew Fitzgerald's on day two um, when his pannier bag had broken, and it just happened to be the exact same fit for uh, my pannier rack. So we got away with murder there. Oh, you were lucky, because I know you were telling us last week, Joe, that you were on YouTube uh, looking at how to change a tyre. So was YouTube out again for this? Yeah, uh, no, we managed to weigh ourselves this time Fair just play. a bit of figuring around and got there eventually and uh, stayed in the hospital then just outside the Giants Causeway to avoid the end of Storm Francis. Yeah, I was, that was the next thing. I mean, you, you've you been on, out and about during the, probably the worst two weeks for storms here in Ireland. I know the, the south of the country has got the worst of them. Uh, how did you manage with Storm Francis? I mean, was it very bad in the north? It was rainy, all right. It was very wet. But I mean, we just, I mean, we have to get the mileage done. So we kept trucking on. And uh, I say people just, what are these two nut jobs doing? So like, uh, we managed to get one, a puncture along the way and a fellow stopped off. So he helped like me. We saw shit and we were like, no, it's grand, it's grand. And we kept trucking on. And about a mile down the road, he stopped again. But that's come on. That's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> just get in the back of the van. Like, I'll drive you to 40 kilometers to the Giant's Causeway. Right? <laughs> and we were like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> So people are being good to you, so. A lot of pity, really. Yeah, I was going to say, people are being good at it, and it's a good pity, but they're they're looking after you up there in in the various areas you're cycling on. How did accommodation go? Because when you are in a situation when you have heavy rain and there is a storm brewing, I know some hotels, part of the select hotel group, uh, were were pushing you up along the way. Did that work out for you in in the north, or were you camping, or how did that go? Yeah, in fairness to the Kelty Grass Hotel and Neil Grant now, they've been working with uh, the Select Hotel Group and they've really sorted out us out when we've been badly stuck. Um, so we had a stay in Letterkenny in the Silver Tassie Hotel and we were in Belfast in the Malone Lodge Hotel and they were both lovely just to shower and a bit of food and it was all we needed. Yeah. And how did you both find Belfast? It's a fantastic city and I worked up there a number of years ago but it's a great city and how did you find cycling around uh, the city of Belfast? Oh, it was brilliant, yeah. Cause like, I mean, we don't have too long in each city so the cycle routes there were just fantastic. We just took the gear off the bikes and just travelled around the city looking at the and then, oh, very well laid out. Brilliant, fantastic. And now you're making your way down the east coast. So today you've made your way down the, the east coast of Northern Ireland, down towards, as you say, on the ferry now. Uh, you're north of Dundalk. What's the plan? What's the route over the next number of days? Now, I have a lot of emails in here from people. First of all, uh, wishing well, obviously. First of all, Kate is saying, well done to Joe and Sean from everyone in West Cork. All very proud of their adventure. Fabulous photos from their GoFundMe page doing the loop. Keep it going, lads. And we look forward to seeing you on Sunday the 6th uh, in Ross Carberry 6th of September in Ross Carberry is that the deadline will you make it back to Ross on Sunday the 6th yeah we should do anyway uh, far any big hiccups but um, I will get there right so around 3 o'clock maybe on the Sunday the 6th of Ross Carberry Sunday the 6th of September is the, the plan 
and the route now down the east coast how are you going to work that out via Dublin and, and is it down Wexford the way you'll go it is yeah so we're going to after Dublin we're going to go up over with the mountain um, down to Glendalough just have a look around that area and then back We just lost you there, guys. Now with the wind, I think is okay. is pretty severe where you are. So we lost that. We heard you were going to Glendalough, and uh, which is a beautiful spot, by the way, in Wicklow. Wicklow is a beautiful county. Uh, but after Glendalough, what's the plan? Is it from uh, Wicklow into Wexford, and that's the route you're hoping to take? Exactly. Yeah, and then down to Wall, back along East Park, and back to Ross. Hopefully, that's the plan anyway. And you make it sound so easy, <laughs> as if you're driving a, driving a car would be a nightmare, and then I mind cycling a bike. <laughs> And how are, I know you mentioned the bikes there and you've done various things uh, from changing tyres and learning to do that to changing uh, things that have fallen off the bikes. How are the bodies? That's the main thing. How are the bodies holding up? Uh, the bodies are doing a lot better than the bikes at the moment, really. Um, I'm kind of, Sean... I have a dodgy knee, all right. <laughs> but, uh, I've always had a dodgy one, so I'm kind of cycling on one leg at the moment. But um, making it, like, just takes a bit longer but we get there every evening. Yeah. And how are the legs? Because anybody that I know that cycles notice after a while, it's like their legs expand around the thigh area. They say when they cycle, uh, a long cycle for two or three days. I mean, have you noticed that? Uh, yeah, there's, yeah, the, uh, the bones are definitely tender after all the sitting on the saddle for the two days. But um, yeah, they're, they kind of get used to it. I find like you kind of just know when you get up in the morning that... <laughs> Yeah, there's no maybe cycling you get off on the bike and go like um, but yeah uh, they're not too bad relatively speaking and looking forward now to the, I mean you're cycling now today what's the weather like it seems very windy where you were there in Dundalk uh, overall is the weather good for cycling today and where do you think you'll end up tonight um, it's not too bad I mean it's dried up it was rainy this morning when we set off but uh, it's dried up thankfully and um, head down the coast. We have a tailwind with us, so it's not too bad. And we'll be heading down to Drogheda tonight, and staying just outside Drogheda, I'd say. And then on to Dublin the day after. And draw it and then head on then further east and down to Dublin. Well, lads, um, we, a lot of people have been sending in uh, well done to you from all the, the gang and the Celtic Ross Hotel are listening in and they're saying well done to the gang and they'll be looking forward to your return on the 6th. And a number of people, Jane, also hello to Anna, Jer uh, and Daniel, all in wishing you well this morning on your journey, guys. So best of luck to you both, you and Joe. Uh, mind yourselves on the bikes. Best of luck with all the DIY that you have to do there on the bikes as well over the next course. Yeah, that's we'll chat with you again next uh, Friday. Perfect. Mind yourselves. Take care. That's uh, Joe McCarthy there and Sean Gordon joining us from a very windy Dundalk. Uh, Apologies if the wind affected the phone line there in parts of that. Uh, A windy Dundalk it was. uh, But uh, the lads who are doing the loop for Peterhouse and indeed for the West Cork Rapid Response uh, cycling around Ireland. Uh, They left Ross Carberry a few weeks ago. Now they are gone up the West Coast across Northern Ireland. And as you heard there in Dundalk, hopefully all going well they'll be staying in Drogheda tonight making their way down at the east coast then so well done to the guys there and again all raising funds for Peterhouse and the West Cork Rapid Response if you want to check them out you can go just the best easy thing to do to check out uh, how they're doing and indeed if you wish to donate if you go to Google it's the easiest way type in GoFundMe doing the loop and you'll get the link there for the lads on their GoFundMe page our lines are open 1850 333 103 Bernie and Sadie taking your calls or indeed you can take 
text or WhatsApp 0862103103. John wants to know on text to 0862103103, what do people make of this new legislation that will be allowing Gardaí to enter homes to break up house parties? He feels if that is allowed, first of all, he, th- he feels it's unlikely. And secondly, he says if this is allowed, is, is, it, is, is it invading basically all our privacy laws when it comes to our own home? Well, I suppose if people are having huge house parties and there could be a number of reasons. We've heard so much about house parties over the last while uh, that are causing noise disruption. So it's because of that. The neighbours might welcome uh, the guardie entering the home and breaking up a house party. Of course, the reason is for COVID and to reduce the spread of COVID-19 across the country. That's the main reason for this. But your views are welcome. Uh, John is questioning uh, the legalities of that. But if it's passed, they'll be allowed to do that. And again, I think some would welcome that because uh, outside of COVID, it's the noise a situation that we keep hearing about over the years prior to COVID. Some would say they should always have that law and maybe Gardaí have done that but now they'll be physically able to go into your house and tell people to get out uh, and they're doing so to stop the spread of COVID uh, but it would also reduce noise uh, if you're living next door to them. Anyhow, your views are welcome. John uh, wants to know your views on that. A lot of more calls and comments coming in. We'll get to those after C103 News. At the lines are open. Bernie and Sadie taking your comments this morning. 18.50 or this afternoon at this stage. 18.50, Text of WhatsApp 0862103103. Or you can tweet at C103 Cork. On the issue that has come up over the last number of weeks regarding doctors and people not able to see or get an appointment with their GP, Jer has been on by text to say I wonder have you discussed well we have discussed this at length uh, but Ger will raise it again for you it's a problem uh, today that he's come across he has a medical card and like a lot of people uh, since COVID-19 you cannot get an appointment with your doctor they won't see you unless you are very sick uh, but are doctors getting paid even though they won't see you uh, says Ger well depending on the situation I know that people who are going along to, to the doctor and they can't physically see the doctor when they ring on the phone they are charged maybe 30, 40 euro or 25 euro or whatever uh, for that particular advice they are given but then depending on the relationship with your doctor they are not charging you uh, and that, that depends on your personal relationship I would presume with the doctor. I didn't know of people who rang back a second time the situation did not improve for them health-wise and their GP said right okay come down call into me and we'll see what we can do and then they have met their GP if the situation regarding them hasn't uh, improved. So, for example, if it was something uh, wrong with the person, whatever it is, uh, if it hasn't improved the second time around, they do see them. Uh, but you would have to be very sick. That is the only thing. And that's what we're hearing back from people. Very frustrating because uh, people cannot see their doctors, but it seems unless you're very sick, they physically won't see you. They will deal with you though, over the phone. But I know what you're saying then, you have a medical card. So are they still getting paid via the medical card? Are, are they using that? They could be. Well, I'm not too sure. I presume they are. If they're charging people uh, for consultations over the phone, I presume they are using that with the medical card as well uh, by way of getting paid from the government. Uh, but yeah, it is frustrating. Um, some people think it's unfair that they physically can't go and see their doctor. But I do know uh, when we discussed this the last time around, uh, while people were uh, angry over this, uh, this uh, those who were genuinely very, very sick and, and got worse uh, as the, the illness went on, they did 
go back and see their GP when they contacted them a second time and things didn't improve but yes uh, sometimes people maybe aren't so forceful with their GP and they might not ring them a second time and things could totally change so so it is a problem out there when people can't go along and get to see their GP and they're being told to do X, Y and Z and prescribed uh, prescriptions over the phone and then that is sent to their pharmacy of their choice Uh, but some people would rather go and see their GP big issue Ger and it, it isn't you're not alone there with that uh, in that situation thank you for your text Christy though in Tiplin Glanton and this is to do with John's comments just before news at midday uh, the Gardaí uh, should they be given more powers well seemingly they are and they're working on that legislation at the moment whereby they can enter your home and a, a guard can basically go in if there's a house party in your house and you shouldn't have a house party of so many people in your particular home because of COVID-19 uh, the guard can actually the guardee can go into uh, that particular house to basically get people out but they can break in more or less to the home well Christy in Temple Glanton says it continues to amaze me how government comes up with uh, decisions like this one uh, the idea that Gardaí are to have powers to raid house parties is like putting the cart before the horse surely it would be a lot easier to close off licences and liquor aisles in supermarkets which is the main source of fuel for house parties and direct Gardaí and have them fighting crime and put the resources into that uh, fighting crime rather than raiding houses with house parties says Christy in Tipperglanton another texter here on WhatsApp is saying no 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 not acceptable that a guard can come into your home and tell people to get out who the hell do this government think they are we all have rights in this country we pay rent we pay mortgages if people want a party let them have a party but at the same time keep safe the government's had a great party last week and no guard had told them to get out says that particular texter Mike saying though it's about time guardy have power to break up those parties it should have been done before now says Mike on text to 0862103103 and staying with the issue of Covid a Mitchellstown listener here asking about this particular position she is in uh, their grandparents and they're speaking about hugging their grandchildren but she says we have no idea what is correct now especially as children have started school and will be picking up well they will be picking up their child or children and looking after them for a few hours so the grandparents will be going along like so many are at the moment picking up the grandchild and then bringing the grandchild back to their home for a few hours but then what about the virus are we as grandparents in danger uh, well, I can only tell you what the guidelines are saying and, and what Nevitt is saying and that they, from day one with this across the world, they are saying that those over 70, if you are over 70, are at risk uh, at uh, the uh, the particular virus, uh, the coronavirus or COVID-19, uh, that over 70s are at risk of that. That's if you are within that age category. I'm not too sure what age category you are in, but all of us, regardless, are uh, in risk of COVID-19. Uh, so, yes, is there a risk? There is, but... I mean, at this stage, is there a risk wherever you go? If you go into a local shop, if it's packed, a lot of this is to do with common sense and personal responsibility. Uh, so it's like anything, if you are in a situation whereby you have an underlying condition and you're going into a very, very busy supermarket and you feel uncomfortable, well, then you don't go in there. And if you feel it's not right, well, then just don't do it and either go to a different shop or go back when uh, you feel the, sh- the shop is, is less busy. Similar with this, I mean, if you feel there is an issue that, uh, no, they're, they're saying children, aren't the, the main 
at, at the moment anyhow I mean things change by the day so I, I know one I'm not anybody to give medical advice on this either but uh, they're saying again that it is personal responsibility and that schools are going to go back and will remain back as they are uh, both with children I mean, at start they were saying they were spreaders, then they were saying that they can't pick it up, and now they're saying they can again. So I, I'm, not, I'm not too sure it keeps changing uh, by the day with regards to regulations on this. I mean, uh, again, it's personal responsibility. It's what you feel is the safest for you. I mean, if you feel that uh, your grandchild and the school that he is in are doing everything by the precautions and are taking all the measurements in place and that they're doing it safely, uh, well then if you're not worried about that you should be okay but then on the other hand there are people who are refusing to go along to the school and not looking after their grandchildren and the families have to make other alternative arrangements because they're afraid that what if the virus was in the school what if the child had the virus what if the child went back to the grandparents house and gave it to one of the grandparents what if that happens so it really is uh, an individual decision I would say anyhow but that's only you asking me I mean what do the listeners think a lot of this is down to personal responsibility I mean you can have all the regulations you can have all the rules yes I know we mentioned the Gardaí there and, and their rules and some would and Mike said that that was welcomed uh, some people would say it's welcomed regardless of Covid when it comes to house parties and noise anyhow outside of that when it comes to uh, Covid uh, people have mixed views on that but again with responsibility I think a lot of this is down to re- personal responsibility if you feel yourself it's not safe well then don't do it that's the advice I'd be giving everybody anyhow if you've, I mean I, that's what I do myself if I think that, and this is everything in life this isn't just to do with Covid I mean we're all adults most of us are anyhow uh, and if, if people are in a situation whereby they feel it's dangerous to go into a scenario then don't go into it and that's the same way I suppose you would have to look at Covid-19 anyhow hopefully uh, that helps you with that maybe people have different advice if you're in that situation uh, for uh, that grandparents uh, if, you, if you're minding your grandchild what way are you approaching this with the family just on the calls we've got I know people are continuing on as normal and they don't mind and they're, they know the school is bringing in all the measures so they're happy with that from a grandparent point of view and then we have other families who are saying no we're not going to leave our mother and fathers the grandparents take or collect the grandchild from the school we're going to be very cautious and they've arranged an alternative and arranged a child minder so that's how some families have done it but your views are welcome if we don't get to them before one we'll continue this conversation on the show on Monday uh, you can email across the weekend jp at c103.ie in relation to bars and them serving food Pat making the point does Covid know the difference between the grub and not having grub in a bar says Pat while Katharina says some pubs are pretending to bring in food I went to a restaurant the other day to get food to take away and I was wearing a mask and sanitising and there was someone smoking outside the door he then rushed back into the building and brushed shoulders with me he had no mask or anything on him also pubs that are teaming up with chippers who takes responsibility if they give someone food poisoning asks Katharina on the phone to Bernie 1850 and City as well on that number text or WhatsApp 0862103103 
staying with that particular issue a texter here is saying if Dublin doesn't want to be shut down from the rest of the country I think it is time to make the wearing of masks in the city mandatory inside and outside whenever people are away from home the World Health Organisation is also suggesting this WhatsApp is saying that children between 6 and 11 wear face masks too where there is an increase in infection there was no social distancing at my local school in my town yesterday the whole school was out in the playground together and wearing a mask if this person feels would help avoid any clusters and also protect the staff of the school and John says if we like it or not the Covid virus is here to stay because we can't get a vaccine for it at the moment so people will have to work around that says John while another John on the Gardaí and indeed the bars John says the pubs now should be open and in my opinion the Gardaí have enough powers and a lot of them are on a power trip once they push on the uniform says John John also says I know that we will be lost without the Gardaí but I don't think they need any more new powers uh, says John in 1850 and back to the issue of Europe and the European Union and the money uh, that Phil Hogan is getting that big payoff of €441,000 over the next two years. Darren Banahasik says we have very short memories. During the banking crisis, the government ministers who failed the state all went off with massive payouts and pensions. It cost us, the taxpayer, €70 million Euros to pay them all. One of the bankers was getting a pension of €300,000, says Dan. Uh, while John says yesterday morning Phil Hogan resigned and during an interview he was asked did he resign or was he asked to go. He said he resigned but the head lady in Europe, she said everyone should abide by the laws no matter what country they are in. So I think they pushed him to resign. You know the Gardaí knew that this particular event in Galway was happening so why did they not shut it down? Uh, says another John regarding Golfgate. Mark and Mark this is something we have discussed and I played a clip of Phil Hogan earlier in the show regarding the phone because Mark is saying uh, considering there is current advertising regarding the dangers of using your mobile phone while driving did Phil Hogan only receive a caution and why did not did he not receive any penalty points for breaking the law it looks like and would seem that Joe Public still gets punished more than the apparent elite uh, says Mark and staying with this on WhatsApp a person saying that this man is laughing all the way to the bank with the expense of the Irish and European taxpayers it's absolutely disgraceful that the amount of money to be paid to him for what he has done. In other words, he is financially set up for life. Reward versus penalty. This is typical and a typical example of the huge pay and non-vouch expenses these people are in receipt of. It's no wonder they live in a different world from the rest of us and they are so much out of touch with the working class people. There are those of us at 65 years of age having worked all our lives and not in receipt of a state pension. It's adding salt to the wound and it's absolutely disgraceful, says Tim in Yall. And I think, Tim, a lot of people would agree with you on that, especially when you say they're out of touch with people being on those high wages and indeed on those expenses that Tim and Yol, a good point on WhatsApp to 086 2103 and someone asking did we mention yesterday about a cheaper company for electricity uh, we actually no we didn't what we were discussing yesterday was about smart meters and Dan was on to us from Blarney Dan felt his electricity bill went up and increased once he got a smart meter in place now we did check with ESB networks and they don't know the reason why this has happened for Dan but they are going to look into this for Dan so both the ESB networks and Dan now we put them both in touch and they will sort this out and if there is a problem or if Dan was overcharged for some strange 
reason uh, they will look after him and reimburse him but now at least Dan uh, what are your problems contacting or speaking to someone in ESB uh, he now I know Bernie was working on this he now has uh, made contact or they have made contact with him so uh, they are working with him and that was what we were on about yesterday so we weren't basically saying there was cheaper companies out there but we were helping Dan uh, to sort out his electricity bill anyhow thank you for the WhatsApp to 086 210 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie Chapel Hill School of Art in McCroom they will have an open day and that is going ahead tomorrow at one o'clock which will have free kids workshops as well as many other artistic attractions and Knocknagree Parish Penny Dinners collection that's going ahead this Sunday from 10am to 2pm at the GAA dressing rooms in Knocknagree and they'll accept home baking cash donations and perishable goods for penny dinners and Amkara support group for brave parents that will return to their group meetings with safety measures in place and it's taking place on Wednesday the 2nd of September at 7.15 in the Clayton Hotel in Silver Springs and in the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon on Tuesday the 15th of September at 7.15pm and Skibbereen Country Market that will reopen on Friday the 4th of September from 11.30am to 1.30am in Abisuri Church Hall in Skibbereen cakes, crafts and lots more on offer there and the West Cork Toastmasters they are back in action on Saturday the 5th of September it will be done online via Zoom and they'll kick off a new term online this time round. If you want to get involved, you can do so. Email westcorktoastmasters at gmail.com. And the World Suicide Prevention Day, that is on Thursday, 10th of September. And Charnival Suicide Awareness Group are asking people to light a candle in remembrance of those who have passed and also for their family and friends. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And on the issue of people finding it hard to go and get an appointment with their GP, uh, yes, a lot of people, Jur was on earlier asking, you're not alone, Jur. A lot of people are in the same boat as you. The majority of people, though, onto us in the last 15 minutes are saying, though, if the situation regarding their health gets worse, then when they ring the doctor back, they do get an appointment to call to the surgery. They're given a certain time and they're able to call in. But you're right, it is extremely hard to actually physically get to see your GP first time around uh, but a lot of people are saying you have to persist if you know and if it's genuine that your your illness or whatever you have is getting worse for you and you really need to see a, a GP or doctor then uh, you should persist they say just in case uh, things get worse and God knows uh, things, things go the wrong way for you anyhow you're not alone George, just to let you know on that staying with that from GPs to consultants Joan is in Formoy her husband is attending a heart specialist he is 75 years old and he had an appointment in May but that was cancelled of course due to Covid his next appointment is next May that's a long time next May 2021 and Joan says she's have to fight a battle now to get an earlier appointment, uh, says Joan regarding her husband. And more calls coming in regarding pubs. John, uh, John says regarding drink and pubs, he would back what Michael O'Donovan from the Cork Vintners was saying about shutting, selling and, and selling drink uh, and closing restaurants. Well, uh, Michael didn't really say that. He was he, he was basically saying that pubs should be, you know, they need to come up with some measure because what's going to happen is if the pubs aren't allowed 
not open in the next number of weeks a lot of them won't open because they still must maintain their buildings but yes uh, something needs to be done about house parties there's too much drink going on uh, and, and too much drinking going on across the country says John and staying with pubs I agree uh, the Gardaí should be able to stop house parties this is giving the Gardaí powers to go in and break up house parties in homes while we had a number of listeners against this uh, some are in agreement, including this particular person on WhatsApp she says also take away the licence of bars that are serving drinks until 2am without food she says it is happening across the country and we need more Gardaí to check on these bars that are not complying with the law says that particular WhatsApper and Jim on text asking is it true Danny Healy Ray's bar is opening and his pub is doing a variety of food including pizzas it is and like so many other bars Danny Healy Ray has teamed up with a takeaway I think nearby in his area and he is like in a lot of bars are doing this he's opening he feels that many bars won't open if they don't open now and he has decided to go that route in serving food he's usually been a, a wet bar those are the ones that don't serve food but now he has brought in food and he is uh, serving food and he's given a big interview today to the Irish Sun so if you want to pick up a copy of that page 4 and 5 of the Irish Sun Jim you'll find a lot more detail on why indeed uh, Danny Healy Ray has opened and gone down that road of serving food when usually he would have not done that so thank you for your text on WhatsApp Jim to 0862103103 and just a message in from our regional reporter in Clonakilty Eileen Kingston that due to the death of Monsignor Leonard O'Brien, the former parish priest of Clonakilty, the 7pm Mass this evening has been cancelled and Mass tomorrow morning will be at 9am and full details and funeral arrangements are available on rip.ie That's from our reporter in Clonakilty Eileen Kingston. On the way we are going to be speaking with Ellie O'Keefe You'll know Ellie if you're a fan of The Voice programme, The Voice UK She was on that this year and because of that now she has released her own single. We'll chat with Ellie on what life was like following The Voice and how she has got on following her online performances over the summer. We'll chat with her next. Want to know what's happening in Cork? You're in the right place. This is Cork Today on C103. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And we will get back to the issue of parking and parking fines. I know it started with Tina yesterday who went 15 minutes over her parking in Douglas and was fined. Michael was due to talk to us today. Unfortunately, he is caught up and we'll get back to him on the show on Monday on his story of parking. But if you have a story where you feel that while many are trying to support local business at this time and while some car parks and companies are being lenient that some aren't and you feel it's unfair you can email us across the weekend jp at c103.ie if you found yourself in that similar situation as Tina now just uh, going back to an interview earlier on we did regarding uh, the Mannix's home in Kenturk unfortunately which went on fire a few weeks ago the community of Kenturk are now rallying around them we had the Minshed on earlier who are doing a fundraiser online go Fund me page set up, which we'll share later this afternoon on our C103 Facebook and Twitter. There's a street collection going ahead tomorrow in Kenturk for them. But a lot of people asking, had they house insurance? No, uh, they did not have house insurance. And that is why uh, the fundraising and this appeal is going on because they did not have house insurance. And before people judge, uh, we did. 
this the death last year discussion wise about the cost of insurance how insurance costs and w- increased for so many and while some people say that 300 euros isn't a lot for them it can be for other people just before I get texts and people judging how people don't have house insurance we had a number of, of callers on air last year who were angry at the cost and the increasing cost of house insurance not a mind car insurance so uh, house insurance did go up as well and not everybody has the luxury of paying out large amounts of money for house insurance but no they didn't have it and that's why the fundraiser and that's why the fantastic people of Canturk are, are rallying around uh, their own there in Canturk now uh, just one more comment in uh, first of all on Golfgate final one on this this is from a texter who says a good side effect though from Golfgate is that RTE are not giving a show to Sean O'Rourke who attended someone that has already got a great pension and is quite well off RTE needs to be more responsible uh, and a more responsible employer in terms of how they are spending their taxpayers' money on air and I think they made a good judgement call on this occasion says that particular texter and just to let you know also an email in to remind people Drive In Bingo is going ahead in Kildallery tonight and that's starting there in the Creamery Yard at 8pm Now after her captivating and winning uh, over all the audiences both in the uh, hall and indeed on the screen watching The Voice UK Ellie O'Keefe from Knocknagree has released her new single It's Called Gold and Ellie joined me this afternoon Good afternoon to you Ellie Hi love, how are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us uh, this afternoon Now it's been a very exciting year for you Ellie I mean uh, even though it's been a strange year for a lot of people due to Covid an exciting one for you uh, you basically appearing on The Voice UK getting, getting huge reviews uh, from Tom Jones and all of there on that particular show and that has led you now, apart from doing gigs online during the summer, to releasing this particular single. Yes, yeah. I mean, it, it has been a bit of a uh, a whirlwind of a year, to be honest. But yeah, you know, like I, I you know, I found lockdown actually quite um, good. Actually, I, 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 you know, I wrote quite a lot of songs and I finished a lot of production on songs that I actually just didn't get the time to, to get back to with the last few years and. So, I mean, I know, I mean, it was a bit stressful as well, but I, I found um, being creative really like a, a positive thing. So with that, I just, I signed um, a management deal with a company in the US and um, yeah, so we, we decided to put out gold and that's where I am now with things. And I actually had it ready to put out two years ago, but I couldn't actually release any music while I was on, on The Voice. So I was in that contract for a year, you say. Um, okay. So yeah, so this was actually ready, finished to go like nearly two years ago. So it's great to finally put it out because I was like, I was really excited for people to hear it and stuff. And I think you know, since being on The Voice, like, like it's great that people have just been kind of following my career. Um, more closely now. Well that's um, the thing The Voice has given you that platform Ellie really now that if you did release it maybe a year or two years ago at least now you're, you're probably in the UK better known as well and did The Voice give yeah. you that push to go ahead and do this and give you more confidence on performing because it's fantastic to think that someone from Knock Negree has made it to the big European <laughs> stage and appear on The Voice UK. <laughs> yeah absolutely do you know like I mean JP I've been playing a long time like you know and I've you know, a couple of albums out and whatnot, and but it definitely, it definitely kind of woke me up a bit. Like when when I had the experience on The Voice, and I think to be honest, to see it was the support from home, and just to see like how excited everybody was for me, and just it, like it just kind of reminded me that I was just like, okay, I actually really need to get back to doing my own thing because it's just a massive part of who I am. And 
even though I was always kind of doing it on the side, like, I wasn't really, like, prioritising it, you know. I, I yeah. did when I first moved to London, but that's, like, nearly seven years ago, you know. You know, like, you know, that's, for a long time, a long ago, time so. because you would have been involved yeah. when you were growing up here in oh, Ireland yeah, with your brother yeah. Danny and, and your whole family. I mean, you know, you, yeah, you had yeah. albums out over the years with Irish songs. So I suppose yeah. you, you went on a journey then uh, from from that style of singing to this style of singing now, uh, while still maintaining that Irish feel in in your voice. The performing on stage in front of live TV has given yeah. you a new dimension, I suppose, hasn't it? It has. It has, of course. Yeah. I mean, it, it was. It was honestly one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my career and I mean I thought I'd done it all like you know I went over to like um like Nashville two years ago on my own and recorded an EP and like you know I mean I, I've, I've done quite a lot of I don't even moved to London you know to follow my career and I've done like pretty big things but honestly being on the voice was like it was well one thing about it was it, it was very much out of my comfort zone as well like I wasn't used to any sort of TV work and like I think just yeah, like, it was just, it was a different dimension, as you say, but it was a brilliant, it pushed my boundaries, and it just, it did give me a sense of, like, like, when I came off the show, I kind of felt like, oh, my God, like, I, I felt like I could do anything after it, because I'd achieved this, like, massive, like, kind of, you know, like, you know, performance-based kind of show that was just, like, you know, hard for anyone, regardless of your experience, and I just, you know, when I came after, I just felt really... I wouldn't say confident, but really kind of strong in myself. And that's when I just started reaching out to management companies again. And even though, like, I've always been doing music and, you know, doing it along with my teaching career and just with playing every weekend, I think it just kind of got me back into the headspace where I was like, well, I need to get back into writing. And I've prioritised a few things since. And, and it's been great. It's been great about music. Like, I hadn't released anything in three years, like. And it's just to see the reaction and the support from people. And I'm just like, it's it's really important for me to be continuing it and I and I'm definitely and definitely being on the voice has obviously raised my profile as well and yeah. so anytime I find them when I'm on socials and stuff I put something out it's like the reaction is a lot like faster and you know more exciting and stuff so it's been it was a great journey for me but I, I am happy at the same time to not be in the finals because I did feel like it, I, they were kind of pushing me in a direction that just wasn't musically for me you know um, so it kind of all worked out in the end for me, you know, even though I think a lot of people were disappointed I didn't go through, but I was kind of delighted. I kind of skipped off the stage. I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you knew what genre you were in yourself. You didn't want to change exactly, that too much. Yeah. It could change your whole outcome. Yeah. And also on the song you have now, Gold, just tell us about yeah. the song. I mean, what's the song about? Because we're going to play it very shortly. Well, what is the song well, about, Ellie, <laughs> and the record deal? Tell us about that. Well, um, it, it, it's it's. I wrote the song actually about seven years ago and it's basically about a chapter in my life that was um, really, like, uh, important but also very painful. And I kind of wrote it with the perspective of kind of looking back on it and being very positive and kind of grateful for the experience, even though, like, you know, when I, when I went through it, it was quite hard. It's, it's a love song, really, but it's a positive love song. And I think I kind of wrote it when I was a bit more mature about the situation and... And yeah, like that's kind of what it's about, really. It's just about, you know, being grateful for an experience in your life and kind of, yeah, that's basically what it's about. I mean, you'll have to listen. Well, we'll, we're going to play it now there in about two or three minutes so people will get the gist of that uh, and hear your fantastic voice there in about three minutes' time. Before I let you go, you mentioned your your teaching there. You're you're back. Are you back in the classroom in the UK at the moment? And what are the restrictions like there and how are you balancing teaching and performing? 
Well, not yet, actually. We're on that now next Wednesday. Oh, are you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, like, I'm, a, well, I'm only three days a week. So, I've always, like, kept that balance in my life where, like, I'll do, I teach three days a week and then I was gigging at weekends and then I was kind of doing my own music and stuff on the side. But since I've been on The Voice and since lockdown, I've kind of made the decision not really to do the pub gigs and stuff like that anymore because I'm just getting so much done with my own music and it's really important that I do that and keep pushing that. So, I mean, I'll be back to school. Um, I'll start, I'll, we've been in set there on Wednesday and I'll be back properly then the following Monday. Um, and, you know, I'm looking forward to it because, I, I mean, I love it. Like, the kids are amazing. The school is really, really amazing. The staff have been so supportive. And, yeah, like, to be honest, like, that's just, I feel very grateful for that in my life because I've learned a lot from it and it just kind of gives me that financial stability and allows me to kind of, it frees me. It doesn't really, like, take my energy musically, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's, it's a different thing. I think it's, like, mainly the gigging at weekends, which is, is quite a, a commitment, I would say. Um, so I've definitely minimalised that, and I think that's been a big thing for my creative side. And So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to going back. I mean, the, the, with, the, with the COVID, they're, they're going back full-on, like, like, all the school is going back the same day, but every, they're doing, like, bubbles. So, like, it, you know, they've all these kind of restrictions in, and if someone, you know, gets the infection within a bubble, and then that whole year group might shut down for maybe two or three weeks. So it's all kind of, like, I think it's trial and error at the moment, but that's the plan going back anyway, that all the kids will go back. So we'll see how it goes. And you so mentioned the gigging there. Are there many gigs at the moment, considering what is happening, or how are they working that there in the UK? Yeah, not not many. Like, I'm based in West London. There's a big Irish community here. And I have actually been doing a little bit, maybe one every kind of weekend. But it's all out in the garden. So it's it's very safe. Like, everyone's just kind of, you know, socially distanced and it's all outside. So um, it's been fine, you know. Like, there's been no issues. Um, to be honest, it feels quite, like, normal here. Like, it feels like there's no... Like, you have to wear a mask and stuff in public transport and if you're going into the shops and things like that. But... Other than that, you wouldn't even know there's a virus. <laughs> okay, so they're they're more maybe relaxed about it than, than some people are here, you would in, think? In, in ways, in yeah. ways there. I mean, there's still, I mean, it's like, but London it is its own kind of world, really, do you know what I mean? It's like, and you know, I mean, at the same time, if you went on a bus without your mask, you'd be thrown off, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they are they are strict. But it's just, it's kind of like we've kind of gotten used to what everybody's doing here, you know. Um, it's probably different up north now and stuff, like I'd imagine maybe in smaller um, uh, villages and stuff like that but yeah so it's actually been it's been good like you know I'm, I, I feel like things are hopefully coming getting back to some sort of normality um, well, Eddie, have, that's great to hear from you from a gigging point of view because yeah. I know you love live music and I mean going back to when you started off with your family and I know yourself oh, and your, your brother Danny were playing live music you can see that has an influence in your music now and people will hear that now in your new uh, single here uh, Ellie thank you so much for joining us uh, we'll keep in touch with you over the next while if people want to listen to it I know some artists are moving away from the likes of Spotify uh, and those type of services uh, you stream this on your own website so what is that so people can, can check it out Right. well so you can either uh, buy it from iTunes it's like 99p or you can uh, download it from Spotify and then next Thursday I'm actually releasing the official video for the song so it's going to be on YouTube so there's going to be another big push next week because I have this video that was um, created by a guy called um Sean O'Connor, he's from actually Castle Island, but he's based in Cork and he's a really talented um, film writer. And he actually did a video for the song and it's really beautiful, it's very moving. 
So again, like when you were asking me what's the song about, I think it's up to whatever people take from it. It's like it's to be interpreted in their own way. You know what I mean? So, mm. so next week it'll be on YouTube as well. But I, I would say Spotify is the big one if, unless you want to download it or buy it from iTunes. Very good. Well, Eddie, best of luck with it. I hope it goes really Thank well for you. So it's much. a beautiful song. We'll, we'll keep in touch. And yeah, best of luck in London. Having me. No problem, Ellie. You take care. That's Ellie O'Keefe there from Knocknagree, now living in London. You'll know her from The Voice UK, and that's it from us. My thanks to Bernie and Sadie who worked on the show all week. Feel Good Friday, Nick and Martina on the way, and I'll chat to you tomorrow from 2 with Cork Sports Saturday, if not back here Monday from 10 a.m. Enjoy your weekend. I'm John Paul McNamara. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,